Brandon Tatum, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Welcome to the Brandon Tatum Show every Saturday at 6 p.m. Hey, I know y'all missed me last week. I missed you too. <laughs> no, so let's get into this, man. I, I, I'm, I'm, y'all, y'all know how I am. Y'all know the, the impeachment inquiry vote, whatever came out. And y'all know I'm just, I'm ready to run my mouth about this because I think it's the biggest load of BS, almost in political history. I, I don't, I don't, I understand what the Democrats are trying to do by um, finding anything that they can to impeach President Trump, but I just do not believe that it is going to work out well for them. An impeachment is supposed to be a bipartisan effort. And I want you to listen to what Adam Schiff said in his remarks about the importance of being bipartisan when it comes to um, impeaching a president. Listen. I guess the clip isn't isn't working right now, but we'll get it together. But essentially what Adam Schiff said was that it is essential to represent the actual impeachment of a president in a bipartisan manner. If not, if it's not displayed that way, it will ruin the integrity of impeaching a president if he's duly um, set to be impeached. Let's try the clip again. Let me go back to the beginning. Here we go. Let's go. Yeah, I don't hear it again. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, you heard what I said. That's pretty much what he said. Nancy Pelosi did the same thing. If you heard Nancy Pelosi as it relates to um, whether or not there should be a bipartisan effort in impeachment, it wasn't. Every single Republican voted against impeaching the president. And two Democrats voted against impeaching the president. The rest of them follow suit. So it it. it to me, what it shows is that there are they are actually on a witch hunt against the president. Tell and, and people would ask me why, why Brandon, why do you say that? Are you 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 a Trumpster? You just support Trump? It's like let's be let's keep it one hundred. What exactly do they have in the arsenal that will allow them to bring forward charges against the president? And you know, it doesn't have to be criminal charges. It doesn't have to be criminal charges. It can be uh, what they call it, high crimes or whatever the case may be, which the Constitution leaves to be very ambiguous. And they can pretty much pick just about anything. But if you're going to say that the president somehow committed a high crime or or thwarted the position that he was in because of the Ukraine phone call, you're not going to go very far. Let me keep it very simple. President Trump said he did not pursue a quid pro quo. He did not... Um, I guess, bribe the Ukrainian president or Ukraine president in order to get a favor in the 2020 election. The president of Ukraine said, I was not bribed. He didn't even know what these people were talking about. How then are you going to pursue that somehow the Ukrainian president or the Ukraine president is a victim of a bribery when he openly said that he was not? Where Where is your proof? And then the Ukrainian government did not even have any information about money being withheld from them. They had no clue when President when the President Trump made this phone call. So there's no evidence that he actually used leverage. And then you want to talk about Joe Biden. Like he Trump doesn't need leverage to win Joe Biden. Joe Biden may not even be the nominee anyway. 
So if, if you're going to try to pitch that, it's probably not going to work real. But I want you to hear what Adam Schiff said real quick. I think we got it rolling. I'll listen, let you listen to what Adam Schiff say so you can see the hypocrisy of some of these people um, in the Democratic Party. Bipartisan process would have to be extraordinarily uh, clear and compelling. Uh, I don't foreclose that the possibility that the Mueller investigation will produce that or that our own will. But I think the speaker is absolutely right. In its absence, an impeachment becomes uh, a partisan exercise uh, doomed for failure. (laughs) But this was a partisan effort. Listen to Nancy Pelosi. What does Nancy Pelosi have to say about this? We will strive for bipartisanship. We believe that we have a responsibility to seek common ground where we can. Where we cannot, we must stand our ground. Is that, but is that true? Is that what you're going off of? I'll say this. You're going to enrage Donald Trump's base. That, that's what's going to happen. We saw this happen with Bill Clinton. When they tried to impeach Bill Clinton, you know, it, it, it backfired. On the Republicans. And I'm telling you right now, you're speaking of a president that has literally developed and orchestrated one of the best economies we've seen in a very long time. Unemployment is low, is the lowest it's been in a half a century. Minority unemployment is historically low. You talk about urban revitalization in some of these low-income areas. That's not just positively affecting black people, but all people who are struggling and who are in communities that need assistance and need help to grow and flourish like other communities. Prison reform, uh, funding to HBCUs, historically black colleges. And we, we can continue to go on. I think his foreign policies have been reasonable. You know, some people may disagree, but we will see them come out in the full in the fullness and come to fruition as time goes along. But the president has done more, in my opinion, than any of the presidents that have been in office while I've been alive. And I think people need to understand that you, we had 62 plus million people vote for President Trump in 2016. And if you somehow think that the same amount of people that voted for him in 2016, is going to somehow not vote for him in 2020. I think you are misplacing um, your understanding of how elections go. Here's another thing that I think is going to really hurt the Democratic Party is that all of the House representatives who have their name as a yay or a yes to impeaching the president and all of the conservative districts that they are in, or at least independent or conservative districts, they are going to lose re-election in 2020. And I believe that's why the two Democrats who, who um, I think one was in Ohio and the other one was in, I can't remember the, the state, but those two Democrats understood that in 2020, and I, and I could be wrong, I got I to verify that they're even up for election, but they can foresee that putting themselves in a negative position against Trump in this instance is not going to bode well to their constituency. And, 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 and I think that's a very important uh, point to make here. And I'll say this, if your policies were better than president Trump's, then it, it would be in your best interest to promote that. 
But if you're going to be in the, in the House of Representatives and you're not going to pass any legislation, you're not going to do anything meaningful to the for the American people. All you're going to do is impeach and investigate, impeach and investigate. You are you are going to lose big time in 2020 because you have nothing in place but to hate and to disparage the president of the United States. You're listening to the Brandon Tatum show. I'll be back after the break. Y'all make sure y'all stay tuned. This is the Brandon Tatum show. The Brandon Tatum show on KTAR news, 92.3 FM and the KTAR news app. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Brandon Tatum Show. Hey, if you don't follow me on social media, you're making a huge mistake. The Officer Tatum on all of my social media platforms. We're going to have call-ins at the uh, the bottom of the hour. I'll give you the number here soon. But I want to first, you know, establish, you know, that our prayers and thoughts go out to the family of Gene Lee, a, a sheriff a sheriff officer who was in the detention center or as a correction officer in lower, Bu- in lower Buckeye jail that was killed by a, what I would consider to be a low life piece of crap. This person was in jail for sex crimes against children and decided on Tuesday, this past Tuesday um, to attack officer Lee for no reason. Uh, the reports say that he grabbed him by the neck, legs sweeped him, and, and the first thing to make contact with the ground was Officer Lee's head, which caused, obviously, brain trauma. He was in a coma, and he later died from those injuries. What a piece of crap. But I think that it's it's up to us to continue to talk about Officer Lee in a positive way and celebrate um, the service that he did have, obviously working for six years um, as a detention officer, in the lower Buckeye jail. And, and, and I think that it's important for us to remember to thank police officers when we see them, thank correction officers when we see them, when we have the, the opportunity to, because they work a very, very tough job and, and they're asked to do things that most people will cower in a corner and cry about, but they take the steps forward and be leaders in the, for the community and they stand strong. Unfortunately, um, this detention officer lost his life to another scumbag, but y'all just keep his family in prayers. Now, let me transition to something uh, a little different. Still on the subject of law enforcement and police in America, people that live in a valley already know my stance on Jerry Williams. And, 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 I, and I really believe the chief of Phoenix, the Phoenix police chief, Jerry Williams, who, who used to be a, a, a lieutenant, for the Phoenix Police Department. I mean, just recently, the police association established that officers don't have confidence in her. Now, of course, that's not every officer on the department. That's the people who are associated um, with the police association. But you have to ask yourself the question, why, why would they not have trust in a former officer who retired as a lieutenant I would appear, I mean, I would assume in good standing with the department who came back to be a chief. It should be a success story. But when you're firing officers, somewhat based on political correctness, you're, you're, you're no good to the department. 
You're no good to the department. There's no reason on God's green earth that you have to defend the community over the best interests of your police department because somebody's mad that somebody did something. If, if the officer didn't commit a crime, then there's no reason for you to fire the man. Now, the uh, one officer out of the three officers that she fired, I think it was last week, I, I don't know what he did. I guess he was sexually harassing somebody. Nobody's talking about that that guy. Who cares about him? He should probably be fired. I'm talking about the other two officers. One was for social media post, and the other person um, was related to the incident, and I forget the guy's name, that happened at the, do- the Dollar General or the Dollar Store where they claimed that he was still in the Barbie, that the little girl was still in the Barbie doll. That wasn't true. I, I want to make sure that I can say that on this radio show. That wasn't true. It wasn't about a little girl with a Barbie doll. It was about grown tail, a grown tail man and a woman going into a dollar store, thieving, stealing. These people are, are, are I want to say something crazy on this. I ain't going to cuss, I promise myself. They are doing crime. The man had a driving on a suspended driver's license from a DUI. Gets in the car when police arrive, take them on a pretty much a chase. He wasn't yielding to police when they were trying to pull him over. Then he let somebody out the car who had multiple warrants. Then they continue this pursuit to an apartment complex where they jump out of the car where the police got out and they don't, they didn't follow directions. They didn't listen to commands. They did none of the above. And for some reason, Jerry Williams is taking the side of these criminals and now she's fired, fired one of the officers involved in that. And, and and now they're going to get a payout of, I don't know how many millions of dollars they didn't sue the city of Phoenix for. Your tax dollars is going to people who are deciding to put their children in danger. The lady was pursuing, I mean, the, the guy was driving a car in a pursuit of, away from the police department with the baby in the front seat with no seatbelt on. It, it just, it's just crazy to me how, how the lunacy, of these police chiefs have gotten. And then the other gentleman that she fired, it was related to a social media post. I, like, what, what, what are you doing? Is this the precedent that you want to set? Officers can't trust the fact that when they're off duty, they can't express themselves in any way they can or any way they should. I mean, they have the amendment right to do that, the First Amendment right. When I was a police officer, I said everything I wanted to say. And I guess the reason that I was able to do that because I'm black. I guess if I'm a white officer or a Hispanic officer, you, you, you're going to fire me. But if, if you're black, I guess you, you fall into this protected class because I said all kind of stuff. I said exactly how I feel on every single issue, not representing the, representing the department, but representing myself in my own time. And, and to me, that's disgraceful. And people should be aware of that. Understand what these police chiefs are doing. And we need to stand up against them when they come out and they destroy the ethics and the morals of police departments all over the country. Now, I'll, I'll end with this. And, and I know this haven't been a positive segment, but let me let me end with this. Show me protests. Show me T-shirts with a young girl, the seven year old that was murdered in Chicago. Oh, on Halloween, not Chicago. Chicago. I think it was Chicago. She was shot. She wasn't killed. She wasn't murdered. I think I think it's been kind of rumored that she was murdered. I think I, I even fell into that rumor. She wasn't 
murdered. She was shot and wounded by a 15 year old thug. Now, I, I don't I don't know which is worse, a seven year old getting shot or a 15 year old doing a shooting. I mean, this this is this has this is out of control, but you don't hear any protests. You don't see it on the news. You Nobody have a T-shirt on crying and complaining about the violence that's that's literally damaging the lives of young people in Chicago, in some of these communities that are that are distressed. You don't you don't see any of that. And, and I'm going I'm to continue this in, in the third segment, in the next segment, because I want to tell you what I think about Chicago and the crime statistics and why the president ripped the rear end off of Eddie Johnson at the uh, the National Chiefs of Police Association Conference. You're listening to the Brandon Tatum Show, 92.3. Ooh, I'll see y'all in the next segment. I'm out. The Brandon Tatum Show is on KTAR News, 92.3 FM. The Brandon Tatum Show is on KTAR News, 92.3 FM. All eyes on me. All eyes on me. <laughs> Y'all know that song? Y'all know that song? You need to know, learn a little bit about Tupac. All right, so we're back. Listen, I'm going to have call-ins in the fourth segment, the segment right after this one if you lost count. Um, the number is 602-277-5827. 602-277-5827. You can call in and give commentary. We'll have a conversation about the things that I've spoke about on the on the uh on the radio. I almost said my store. On the radio. So let's let's let me let me finish what I was talking about in the last segment. If you guys are just now joining, I was speaking about Chicago and the crime rate and all of the above and the shamefulness of some of these police chiefs and what they've done to these communities, and they would never take responsibility, and they want to hold the officers accountable, but they're not doing anything to help them. So I'm going to read these stats real quick about Chicago so you can see the problems that go on in Chicago and why the president has been ripping the rear end off of Eddie Johnson, who's the superintendent of the Chicago Police Department. Let's, let's look at these stats. This is third-world country stats, okay? Year to date, people shot in Chicago and killed – 404, right? Shot and wounded. 1,960 people. People that have been shot. 2,364 people this year have been shot. And out of all the shootings um, or, or homicides in general, that's including gun violence and also strangulation and other things that are involved, they have 440 people that have been murdered this year. That's 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 more than a person a day. And, and if you look at the stats, it's only in a majority of this is happening in the in one portion of Chicago. Let, let me just let me just go just this month. Can we go or just last month? Last month alone, there have been 40 homicides, 229 people shot and 192 people have been shot and wounded. Thirty seven have been shot and killed. And if this don't sound like a third world country, I don't know what is moving on. Um. If you don't follow me on social media, I want to make sure you follow me, The Officer Tatum. Again, make sure you call in. We're going to talk about Michelle Obama, right? We're going to talk about Michelle Obama because I used to say, and my philosophy was that I keep wives out of this, right? I keep president's wives out of this. They have nothing to do with it. They're just on the sideline, you know, helping when they can. But Michelle 
interjected herself into this conversation by saying one of the most racist things that I've ever heard. We're going to listen to the clip, and then my good friend, Adrian Norman, who's an author, he writes for Epic Times, he's going to join me to talk about this. Let's go with the first clip of Michelle Obama. I want to remind white folks that y'all were running running from us, (laughs) you know, because... This family. This family. (laughs) This family, with all the values that you read about. Yeah. You were running from us, and you're still running. <laughs> now, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. How is it okay that she could say white folk, y'all white folks running? Now, now I'm going to get one more clip because I think this is a very telling clip, and then me and Adrian are going to get into this. Uh, roll the second clip. But yet, one by one, they packed their bags and they ran from us, and they left communities in shambles. Now, if that's not one of the most racist statements that I've ever heard, I don't know what it is. Just to put put make her white, and then she said that about black folks. Would she still have a platform or no? Agent, what do you think about – do you think it's racist or B. Tatum just tripping? I mean, this is kind of a silly comment all the way around. I mean, you know, white people aren't the only people who are moving out of the south side of Chicago. You know, it's happening there. It's happening in Baltimore. Um, and I think the angle that she was taking was that it's, 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 she turned it into a race issue when there are plenty of other factors that are affecting these areas that are causing people to move, causing people to, to seek better opportunities that have absolutely nothing with, to do with race. And I don't know so, about you, but I, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, we the, the mission was to move out of these hoods <laughs> to have a better life. And it wasn't that... I'm moving out the hood because I'm moving away from black folks is that I'm moving out of a situation into a better situation with better schools and better opportunities. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and again, like we've seen in some of the areas like Baltimore, uh, a lot of it was economic. You know, when you have a manufacturing base that's sucked out of the city, you're, you're disincentivizing people from wanting to live there, regardless of, of, of what skin color they are. So again, it's not necessarily about race, but yeah, you, you, you should strive to, 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 get to a better opportunity or a better situation. But, you know, the the real issue here is that we got to start focusing on how do we fix these communities that people want to leave and make them better so that people want to stay. That's ultimately the the real issue because we, we shouldn't have a situation where people feel like the, the only way out is to escape. And then, you know, they're pulling capital out of the city that could be invested into the city that's no longer going to be there. You know, and, and that's part of what helps erode these communities. And then the, the, it gets into this cyclic effect that just continues and perpetuates itself for decades and generations. So the real question is, instead of complaining about white flight, why don't we start addressing the conditions exactly. that are leading these cities to, to be the way they are and start fixing them? Exactly, exactly. That's my biggest problem. This is my biggest problem overall with the criticism of races, primarily by African-American people. You're criticizing white folks, but you're not taking the time to address the things that are are happening in the communities based on the community's responsibility. Why does, you know, uh, Obama and Michelle live in buying a $15 million house in Martha's Vineyard? <laughs> if, 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 
if you really are concerned about the effects and you 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 seem to be affected and you're and you're saddened and you're hurt and discouraged by what the white folks did, then why don't you go move back to the black community? Why does none of these athletes or do none of these athletes go back and live or create jobs and opportunities on a broader scale or a larger scale in these communities? Why are they blaming the white man time and time again? Well, and part of it too is it's a little ironic that. You know, they're complaining about these these areas and people wanting to leave. Again, as you just brought up, they themselves left and moved out. But it's their own policies that have created the conditions that are forcing these people to leave. So, again, it, the, the real issue is, you know, let's transform these communities. Let's do and, and the Trump administration is taking the lead on this with urban revitalization and pushing policies that are designed to try to uplift these communities and bring capital investment back into these communities and create jobs. You know, we know that when people have more job opportunities, there's less crime. Kids aren't going to be in the street. When they have better schools, you know, they're going to have uh, better job prospects beyond their, their, their first and second jobs that they get when they're, you know, in, in, in their, their, the late teens and early 20s. They have more opportunities for the long haul. So, again, we got to kind of change the conversation away from, from where these, I hate to say it, but these, these race baiters like the Obamas want to keep the conversation focused and shift it to something that's about transformation and, and progress, real progress, not not the, their definition of, quote, unquote, being a progressive progress, but real real progress to where we see change in these communities to where people are better off. People have better economic opportunities. They don't want to leave. They want to stay, raise their kids, raise their grandkids there, and, and really let these communities thrive for the long term. Right, and I agree with you a thousand percent. The way you can accomplish these things is by doing something or supporting politicians like what President Trump and his administration is doing, a hundred billion dollars worth of revitalization in these poorer areas that need help and relief. Also, incentivizing or supporting law enforcement. When you're living in a community that's unsafe, it's really it's really hard for you to have opportunities, right? I mean, if you're living in a community where there's gang violence running rampant, you have to carry a gun and you, you'll get smoked. You're not going to flourish as well as if you have communities that at least start out by being safe, which matriculates down to the businesses that come into the area where they don't have to charge higher prices, where they can bring in more business because people don't have to worry about high levels of insurance, the taxation that goes with it. And also they don't have to worry about inventory being stolen and all of the above. So I, I really believe that if we focus on policies that are benefiting us or that can help these communities instead of the political correctness or or the political agenda of progressiveness, which is regressive, if you ask me, then I think we can we can fare better. I'm going to ask you this. Do you believe. In white privilege, what's your thoughts on white privilege? (laughs) I mean, we got about two minutes. All right. All right. Cool. So so it's kind of a touchy subject. So. it's kind of a two-part answer, I guess. Do I believe that there are certain circumstances where a white person might have a little bit uh, or be perceived in a different way than I would have a little bit of an advantage of me in certain situations? Absolutely. Um, you know, I could I could uh, wear black jeans and a black T-shirt and walk into a store, and people are going to look at me totally different than if I had white skin and silver hair. Um I can get mad in certain situations and people are going to perceive me differently than if a white person were mad in the same situation. Now, the, this idea that is being perpetuated right now about white privilege is that that some sort of uh, superior status is conferred upon white people at birth that just gives them inherent advantages that can't be overcome. 
And in that regard, I don't believe that there's some overarching white privilege that's debilitating um, to, to, to us as a society that we can't rise above. Because, as you know, you know, at the end of the day, nobody can really stop you from doing anything. There's always going to be somebody who's racist. There's always going to be somebody who's a little bit prejudiced, who, who views you differently or whatnot. But any circumstance that, that we're in, we have the ability to, to overcome. Right. And I, I, I like that. I like that answer. I'm going to go even further and, and, and say that I would consider the way white privilege is presented today on campus and, and, and in other areas that it's a myth. There's only a, there's a few white people that may take advantage, but so does black people. If you fine or you handsome, you're going to have an advantage. If you got money, you got advantage over anybody. There ain't not one person that probably have an economic advantage or a cultural advantage over LeBron James, over somebody like Barack Obama. So, and I know most people would understand that, but make sure you call in. I want to hear your thoughts on these subjects that I've been talking about. The number is 602-277-5827. Call in right now. You're listening to the Brandon Tatum Show on KTAR. Catch you after the break. Brandon Tatum. KTAR News, 92.3 FM. My man on the ones and twos is killing tonight. Y'all, y'all got to give him a shout out for all this music, man. We, we, we in here lit. <laughs> all right, so y'all, y'all, y'all came back. Y'all ready to, to talk a little bit. I'm going to have Adrian join me on the, uh, the call-ins, and we're going to see what you guys think. Um, again, the number is 602-277-5827. And you could call in and chime in. So we're going to start with Jalen from Albany. Um, Jalen, welcome to the Brandon Tatum Show. What you got? Jalen, you there? I, I want, yeah. Okay, I got can you. you. I hear you. Me? Yeah, I yeah. can hear you. Yeah. How you doing? Um, I, I just wanted to call in and talk about what y'all just finished talking about, white privilege, uh, you know, it being a myth and, you know, how I feel about it. <clears throat> so, you, yeah, go ahead. Go me? ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, uh, I, I did a debate, you know, once, and, we, you know, what we talked about, and I kind of, I, I agree with Adrian on the A point, you know, you know, there are certain things that, you know, people will look at the differences between a white person and a black person and, and just have their own presumptions, but that's with anything, and I, and I 100% agree with you, Brandon, when it comes to people like LeBron James and Barack Obama, and, and they have an advantage that nobody else has. They have a wealth privilege. They have you know, a, a, you know, all these other privileges. But one thing I do believe in, I believe in an American privilege over a white privilege any day. I believe that just by us being born in America, we have a privilege that nobody else has. We have uh, access to a limited amount of food, resources, and everything that, you know, many countries are struggling with. There's a privilege to being an American. And if you can wake up, brush your hair, put on some nice clothes, and talk like you're a human being every day, you can go there and you can benefit from that same privilege that the white man can. Nobody's holding you back but yourself. And, and, and Jalen, what, what's, what, what's your race? I'm black. So <laughs> we got a brother on here that's, that's – <laughs> I mean, you couldn't say it any better, man. Thank you, Jada, for coming on, man. We're going to get some other callers, but I think that was a brilliant, brilliant response. Yeah, he, I appreciate it, brother. He needs to run for office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I just It seems like a reasonable articulation of success. America is the greatest country on earth, and if you apply yourself in this country, these privileges really don't matter, especially if you got money. Let's go to the next caller, um, Jason from Surprise, Arizona, we got an Arizonan in the house. Jason, go ahead. What you got? Hey, man, how's it going? It's going well. 
Uh, yeah, I was just calling in. You know, I'm I'm white. I'm 33. My dad, he's old school. He's born in the 40s. You know, he's going to be 77. But I really think the privilege, you know, between white and black, it's it's really what people perceive as they grow up. You know, because if you surround yourself with people that think they have this privilege, well, you're going to feel entitled to that to a point instead of working hard to get where you need to be, you know? Right. Do, do you think that that'll go for both black and white, depending on how you grow up? I really, I don't think color is really the issue. I mean, certain races get away with different things, whether what race you are. But, um, you know, I just think that it's what you surround yourself by and what you believe. Like, my dad was racist. Well, I never took that in because I didn't surround myself with him because I didn't like it, you know? All right, personal responsibility. Adrian, what do you say to that? Well, I mean, I definitely believe to some d- d- degree that, again, as I said before, there, there are certain certain things that you experience um, that, that just are the way they are. But, again, it doesn't have to be debilitating. So none of the racism that I've experienced, none, none of the, uh, the, the nasty looks I've gotten from people or people going out of their way to avoid me have stopped me from getting anything I want or doing anything that I wanted to do. And the problem with what's happening right now is that we have people who are selling these kids on the idea that um, they're, they're unable to overcome whatever circumstances, whatever they feel in any given moment, that the world is out to get them. And, 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 right. that, and, and that's the mentality that, that they're, they're selling with this idea of white privilege, that, hey, that you're less than and there's nothing you can do about your circumstances. Hey, Jason, and I'll finish with this and I'll take another caller. Do you feel that in society you have an advantage over me because I'm black? Not at all. Okay, okay. That, I mean, I really think it's how hard you work for what you want, you know? I mean, you know, I think you're pretty successful at what you do, and I'm sure you didn't get a privilege because of it, you know? You probably worked hard to get it, you know? Amen, amen. Appreciate it, Jason. Thanks for coming on from Surprise, Arizona. We're going to get to the next caller. Uh, let's see who's up next. We got Jim from Scottsdale, one of my favorite uh, little towns in, in, in the valley in Scottsdale. So let's see, Jim, what you got, Jim? Welcome to the Brandon Tatum Show. Good evening, fellas. How you guys doing tonight? Oh, uh, we doing well. Yeah, yourself? Fantastic, fantastic. Listen, great subject matter. Um, I'll tell you, I've lived here since 1978, and I've seen – the, the state go through so many different changes. When I came here, there was no Martin Luther King Day. Right. Okay, so that's how far back I go. I'll let you know that I've made a living here and been quite successful uh, in a very uh, white privileged type environment. It's not that you cannot make it within that environment. It's how hard you're willing to work within that environment. And that hard work is seen, it pays off, and you can do well. It's appreciated. It's respected. So when people say white privilege, they don't understand that that white privilege is watching. And if you're doing a, a good job and working hard at your, at your skill level, whatever craft or whatever that is, that's really what resonates with America. And yeah, I agree with you, Jim. Thing, I- can can be an excuse. Yeah, I agree with you, Jim. What 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 what's your race? Just just for the for sake of argument, what was your race? Oh, I'm I'm a lot of things. You're a lot of things. American. <laughs> I've got a, a lot of them. A big pool. A yeah. lot of <laughs> Which but is in, just in like main, just like most of us. You know. Main, I'll, I'll tell you, fellas, something, guys, yeah. young men. I'm an American. 
Amen. Amen. And we're and Americans. I, I understand. I understand. There's, there's, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of hatred, and a lot of things you gotta get over. We're gonna get over it. We're just having a hangover from uh, you know some, some difficult times. Hey, I'm sorry I had to cut him off. We got to get off the air. Hey, I love you, Jim. I appreciate it. I agree with you 100%. We are Americans first. Thank you for listening to the Brandon Tatum Show every Saturday at 6 p.m. I better see y'all next week. I'm out.